Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Let's rip it, Dad. Welcome to 11 Personnel. Nick Roush here with Adam Luckett on a late February Tuesday night. And oh my God, we've got breaking news, Luckett. Oh, they've confirmed that Tiger Woods had a compound leg fracture and shattered his ankle in that car accident. Yeah, it sounded like, I would assume, uh, yeah, it kind of crushed him. If they bring in out the jaws of... Jaws of Life, or what's it called? Well, they they said that initially, but apparently that was false. That they actually just bust, like they took the windshield out and pulled him out through there. But nevertheless, man, like that dude. The the thing that I remember my dad always saying about Tiger, because you know we grew up with Tiger, and that was kind of our introduction to golf. That's why I play golf, is because I watched Tiger as a kid. Would love watching Tiger, my dad. Feel like best thing about golf, Nick, is when you get older, you can play till you're 70 years old. He's like, mm-hmm. and that's why Tiger, he's gonna be playing forever. Dude has not been able to catch a break over the last 15 years. Now, some of it was self-inflicted. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean but like, also he's had like 13 or a handful of knee surgeries, handful back of back surgeries, surgeries. And now he's got a compound fracture in his leg, like Thank God for that Masters, man. We that that might have been yeah. our last. That's hurrah. what I was thinking about today. At least we had that. You didn't, but golf, you never know. Like these guys can play for a long time. And you can come back and get hot, but it just sucks because, mm-hmm. like, we were gonna get. I mean, Masters is like what a month away, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right under two months. Um, God. I think it's like like the week after four, five the tournaments away right now. Yeah, yeah. Cause you got, cause that you got the players coming up in two weeks, and then that's like the last big tournament until the Masters. Yeah, oh, it just sucks. Absolutely sucks. So prayers up to Tiger. Glad. I mean, you know, it could always be worse um, when you're, you're having a rollover single person crash. Um, so glad that, you know, like it, it, all in all, he'll end up recovering. But it just it just sucks that our childhood icon just can't catch a break really you know yeah i mean it was about like a year after kobe too oh man like right. what was that two weeks ago was like the one year right right maybe maybe even just a week ago. yeah so you're exactly right just glad to hear he's alive and hopefully everything works <sighs> out with the surgery yeah yeah full recovery hope that happens um but we're, we're starting with golf on a football podcast oddly because it's kind of going to be a hodgepodge little edition of 11 personnel hasn't been a ton of football but there's been a lot of other kind of little things that have been happening that we might as well weigh in on um which like sunday tiger was ha- handing out a trophy at the genesis to max homa who had a very relatable miss on, mm-hmm. the, on the 72nd hole mm-hmm. <laughs> well three foot yak Mm-hmm. And for Homo, that was a course like he grew up going to and playing. Like that was, you know, he wanted to win that. That was 
that was the one at home that you want to get. Mm-hmm. And this that miss on 18 just to win it. And he's hit some crazy golf shots all weekend. And to just miss that putt, but then to come back and win in that first playoff. That was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool event. Um, and if golf, anybody that follows golf on on Twitter, he's he's a pretty popular cat. Um, he does some stuff with the fans, like just swing coach, where he kind of roasts fans when they they'll send in say judge my swing max and he'll do that and he's on he's on a podcast a pretty popular golf podcast and he's a he's probably going to be a guy that's going to be calling golf events probably in 20 something years right but um but it was pretty cool to see him win uh, he's a fan favorite and to win that 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 way and what was exciting into the tournament i thought was pretty cool no, it, it especially when he's like, yeah, you know, I spent a dozen years here trying to get a high five from Tiger Woods. And right. now, now he's got to hand me the trophy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's just a cool, you grew up and you made it. So shout out to, uh, shout out to Max Homer for getting the big win. I would like, what's, what do you think the opposite? What's the opposite of a shout out? A put down? Yes. I would like to issue a put down to Michigan State. For just wrecking parlays of mine for the last <laughs> two times I've I, I'm trying like it to. We've got about a month till the NCAA tournament, and so I realized like the only way that I'm going to force myself to keep up with who's good and who's not is to just randomly bet games and just kind of feel my way through. So I'm just going to be doing little parlays from basically I, I've got a nice old bankroll thanks to the Cats' big win over Tennessee, and. The Mich- Michigan State just keeps they keep messing with me. They they uh, bet against them two times in a row, and they've just crushed me the last two times. So maybe they're a stay away from team. Speaking of put downs, we had the little video incident this weekend, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to get into all that. But how many beers was that? Ooh. You got to think, okay, rivalry game at – what was the game, at noon or it one? Was, it was early, so that was probably 10 o'clock at night. On the clip was – I don't know if you remember this Dolphins-Raiders oh. game that night. Fitzpatrick's throwing it, and his, his helmet – the arm hits his helmet. So and that was in the fourth quarter, so it's 11 o'clock. So – and they're going – and by the, the video, as the dogs are getting into it, they were going – pretty strong at that at that moment in time well, and you got to think too eric wood despite losing a lot of weight dude's an nfl lineman like yeah. he can throw him back he's not a small human being no no chris yeah. mack isn't either right right so gotta be like 14 by now yeah at least because in the, and they aren't drinking you know some christmas ale like it's slamming bud lights <laughs> yeah they were drinking miller light i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure mack had a had a kegerator of Miller down there in the in in the main cave, <laughs> but I tweeted this out earlier. You, you, me, and you will get this. Some of our listeners won't get it because they're not from the area. But we grew up in this. Mm-hmm. Chris Mack has strong South End Louisville vibes, dude. It's <laughs> I mean strong, strong as hell. From the bald head, yep, yep, leg tat. Oh, oh man, I forgot about the leg tag. <laughs> is on record for loving roosters. Goes and then um has a Miller Lite neon in his base. Miller Lite neon in his basement. I mean, I just I hell I, I kind of I, I I get it. I respect it. I'll be honest. I, 
I'm a, really the only, I mean, he married a Holy Cross girl for Christ's sakes. Like the, she went to St. Dennis. I know, like yeah. the only thing that disappoints me is he, he lives in Lake Forest and not, not Park Ridge. Like right. dude, dude has Park Ridge written all over it. I mean, man, <laughs> it is strong he, from here, but it is strong South Bend vibes. Like oh, that's a guy man. I, that's a guy I see it. The fish the fry roosters. every yeah. <laughs> the church picnic every summer. Yeah. Like, I've seen got, him before. He's got like a pile. He's at the blackjack table and he's got a bunch of ones and a bunch yeah. of beer tickets just out, just loose on the yeah. table. Swisher sweets in his back pocket. I mean, it's uh, just, Oakley's, it, Oakley glasses on. Well, yeah. With a white, white, uh, white frames. It is strong. South end vibes, but man, I mean, strong. God, Chris Mack. You know, I'm glad he's given us something good to hate. Like, you know, because we need – there was the same – when they him and Satterfield both got hired, you had two guys that came off as pretty likable. And, man, it took them no time to just find – like, you had Satterfield whining about L's down, and then you've got Chris Mack making new videos, like, you know, every two or three months just to take off Kentucky fans. So, I love it, I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm 100% here for it. I get what like Mac was doing, but in Satterfield, he's had his instances where we br- we brought up. They just seem some s- small time on some things. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, they're they, they're they're Nerf ball, right? What, what was that? Yeah, your 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 Nerf. They 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 both had a lot of success at the places they were at before, which were both places they went to school at, they played at, and they their assistants at before. They never left these one places, so they've been kind of insulated a little bit and they they've gotten out and you know it's it's mike leach going to the sec right right they well they just they've done some stuff that they probably you know shouldn't have done and they're just learning on the fly it's just you know it's different at this level more more so for mac because that is a you know it's a bigger job it's more media scrutiny obviously it's one of the better jobs in college basketball whereas satterfield it's just it's more of i think culture fit wise with mm-hmm. Louisville and kind of thing. But, yeah, I definitely think, like, they, they're they both interesting um, in that respect, I think, because they both had one school. It was their alma mater um, there for a long time. And then they got the big job, and they just had some moments in the spotlight where it's like, what are, you, what are we kind of doing here? And so I just, I just thought that was interesting thinking about that this week. Oh, man. You know what else is pretty interesting, Luckett? To, to kind of get back on the tracks and talk a little football. The the people who are really smart at the NFL draft really like Kelvin Joseph and Jamin Davis. And when I say really like, I mean, they're talking day two picks for each of them. Daniel Jeremiah became the latest in among the NFL draft gurus to throw Jamin a bone and – I believe he was 35th overall right outside of the first round. And we're just getting started with draft season. Like it, I I know that, you know, you get kind of inundated with this draft stuff and there's mock boards and all that kind of junk all over the place. But for Daniel Jeremiah to be seeing the praises of both of those guys and to consider Davis 35th overall, dude hasn't even worked out for anybody yet. I mean, that's that's impressive. It really is. Yeah, he's getting so a lot. I would say a lot of feedback from multiple teams on him um, that he's ranked pretty high on their board. So I mean, good for Jamin, man. He had a great year. 
Um, he's got traits out the wazoo. He's built like a Greek god. Yeah. He's he's a modern day Mike linebacker um, mm-hmm. because of it's not so much about you know taking on blocks in the hole and that is being able to slip by people, shoot gaps, and get east and west and tackle in space. And he does that pretty well. And as a coverage guy, he's really good in coverage. We saw, I think he, what he had like four or five interceptions. We didn't really see this this past year, but last year as a blitzer, he made some plays. Had a sack against Louisville. Um, was in some involved in some other stuff as a blitzer. I just think, man, he's just got. He was just like I want. He was just kind of a slow developer, I guess, coming out of high school and such. But he always had the, the traits and the skill set. He just filled out there in the last year, yeah. and he became one of the best linebackers. In college he filled football. out. He got much better at understanding defensive like complicated defensive football and i mean you got to remember too so think about because trevin wallace he's going to get a lot of jamin davis comps because they're from rival schools the counties next door to each other they're both like you said the modern kind of mic that moves very well but davis was only like a buck 90 coming out of high school and wallace is about as big, maybe a little bit lighter, but he's about as big as Davis is now. So Davis had a lot of filling in to do. And to your other point, too, about him not just being like the the thumper, dude had how many four interceptions this year? Four? And he returned one for 80 yards? Like I think he had a couple last year. Look that up right now. Yeah, I mean, being able to – I mean, some of those were just tip drills right to him. But, like, there's something to being in the right place at the right time. So, uh, I, I know when Davis decided to go pro, people around UK kind of were surprised by it. And, you know, I, I think fans were disappointed because you're losing the best player on your team. But when he, he's getting his praises sung this high, it's like, you know, more power to you, man. Like, he, you did the right thing. Five career interceptions in three seasons. One as a redshirt freshman, one as a redshirt sophomore, and then three this year. Oh, so I mean, okay. And and see, that I think is important as well because a lot of people – like your biggest critique on Jamin Davis's play as a a draft person is you say, well, he was kind of a one-season wonder. Like he went from the month of November yeah. in, in that junior year and on, and that's it. Lack that's, of snaps, just for off the board. Him and Joseph, same thing. Mm-hmm. But to have that steady, like he had an interception every year he played football. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, and you just see you see the yearly growth with him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and he's far think, from a polished product. And Davis waited his time. He was behind Cash. He was behind Chris Holtz. And when, when his opportunity came, you know, he grabbed it and ran with it. I think that's that's a good sign. Um, if you're investing millions of dollars in a player, you want to see that. So, man, I, I, I – but in a way, like the Davis I could see because the production was there this past year. Like he was awesome. We talked about him all season, how good he was. Um, didn't think he was getting the recognition he should have nationally. But Kelvin Joseph, at his top, he was as good good as anybody, any corner. But man, there's some times on tape you you can turn on, and it ain't it's not great. 
Like <laughs> the Florida game ain't great. The Missouri game ain't great. Ooh, what I, what I have been surprised is that the Ole Miss game is very bad. The the Jeremiah I saw Jeremiah talking about the Kyle. It was more of a compliment to Kyle Pitts than it was a knock on Kelvin Joseph. Right, when he just right. gets dusted. But yeah, you know, but there, it can be there taken was also way. Mingo, uh, Jonathan Mingo for Ole Miss, who did not Dude, have a great year. No, gave Joseph um, his lunch. I mean, he got the better of him that day. Now he also had some moments where he made some great plays. I thought he was great against Georgia, Tennessee. He he was really good in other games. He was you know Mississippi State. He was really good. But man, I just like I guess it's just a position, man. That position is just there's a very high variance with that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very important position, um, and so and and it's very it's one that really values traits. Like if you if you don't run a certain forty, or if you're not hitting a certain you know speed level, you, you can't really be a prospect there because um, because you have to have these certain things to succeed at that position. And Joseph, I think, just has those certain things. And you look at the size, the frame. He's he can come up and make plays and run support, and he's got the speed to. Um, you know, run with big, fast receivers. I mean, I get it, but like, I, I'm, there's kind of like first round buzz with him right now with like Mel Kiper, and I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of <laughs> taken aback by it. not that he he was going to be picked. I thought for sure he was going to get picked, and but I thought I was thinking like fourth round because there is some there is you know that why did he leave well, LSU? Then you've you've seen some scouts bring that up a couple times this week. At least I have. Mm-hmm. There's some there's some maybe character concerns there that you're gonna have to do your digging on that, but man, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised by that. And I did some research, Nick. If he goes in the first round, he'd be the first secondary player ever from Kentucky to be a first round pick. Man, they've had some good ones too. Mm-hmm. Now I do think it helps him that his strength is probably playing uh, to the field as a one-on-one guy just because he is so physical and when yeah. you go up against those big dudes like he, he's he has the body type to go up against it but you know he played a lot of zone at uk and i think that certainly developed him all his all-around game uh so I, I would think that's at least a benefit working to his strength is that there's at least tape that shows he can do a little bit of both you know yeah i'm wondering if maybe he's just you know he needs to be a cover you know a team like the 49ers who run cover three or like Pete Carroll. That's kind of what they do. They run cover three and they try to get good pass rushers in the front four and rush the passer. I'm wondering if maybe that's a, you know, a better scheme fit for him um, than maybe just run and bump and run all game because that's what Kentucky asked him to do. And that's something he did, you know, pretty well, obviously. Um, but man, I just, I think it's just a position. I, I think I learned a lesson myself that when evaluating this position for the draft, it's more, it's just traits at that corner. Like, mm-hmm. if you got it, you know, and you get a few interceptions, you make a couple plays, um, you, you get some on, something on tape, um, they're going to take you and just take a chance with you. But, man, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've just been kind of scratching my head on this last couple of days. I just kind of found it kind of crazy. But I guess, <laughs> I guess I need to get better at evaluating corners. Speaking of something kind of crazy, there's something crazy coming to uh, the city of Louisville like it. What's that? Some some might even say it's extreme. Extreme. Indoor Football League is coming to the Yum Center. The Louisville oh, Extreme yeah. will be playing their home games at the downtown arena. 
uh, starting at the end of April. Uh, I think it's like a nine-game season or something like that. They got teams all over the country from the Spokane Shock to the uh, – I, I should pull up some of these team names. But like it, on, your, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the extreme – I'm worried that that's going to cost the city money, <laughs> let alone to go. But have you been to arena football game, Nick? Oh, I used to go to Louisville fire games all the time back in the day. Cause the yeah. hell my half, my family worked for him. Uh, Jeff, that was his first coaching. Game. That's right. Uh, Greg, he was in like management there. Uh, and then we also did, they, they were real big on the, uh, you know, like fundraiser type games. You know, so like, you know, we'd have the whole school show up, that kind of deal. So oh, yeah. we went to, to quite a few fire football games and I, I enjoyed the hell out of them. Here's the thing with those. Like when they when they were going there for like, what, 10, 15 years, Arena League. Mm-hmm. Like those games were like, you could see like, it, you could see how it'd be fun. People were going to the games. They were, they were well getting drunk. Yeah, yeah, and having fun. And the Arena Bowl was like a thing there for a little bit. But I, I, the Yum Center is so spaced out that it feels like it's just kind of too big because it's very spaced mm-hmm. out. But I don't know. I mean, it feels like I don't – is this the league Johnny Football was in? No. Or was this something even. different? This is okay. – well, yeah, he he did some – he did like that your play football stuff that like Timmons was yep. in back in the day where you you, you basically download an app and you, you pick a play for them to call. And they might call it one of those kind of deals where this oh. is kind of, kind of like the old school arena ball. Yeah. Uh, I get what you're saying. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I think, it's probably I think not going to work, but to like it is you need some names to draw and they've got some local guys, but the only name I recognize was Drod Holloman, um, which if you'll remember Holloman great at picking off passes. He had 14 <laughs> in the season for Louisville, right? Not great at tackling. Exactly. Dude, nope. <laughs> dude, had wanted no business of having right. to tackle somebody, which I feel like is probably a negative in this kind of league. So, um, I just hey, um, it, you you could see yourself like under normal circumstances, take pandemic out of it, being like, oh, it's twenty bucks, and they got two dollar beers at the Yum Center, like. All right, I'll you know I'll go to O'Shea's and then head on down and watch the extreme and just watch some people bust some heads for a little while. Yeah, if I was more of a downtown goer, if you work downtown or something, never right. working from home. Maybe did, the 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 nickname too is god awful. Like you could not get anybody in that creative team to think of something more Kentucky than Louisville Extreme, and then slap a horse head on one end of the X. It is. It's, it's the classic Kentucky move. Just throw a horse on it. I mean, some of these nicknames are so bad in this league. We've got the Tucson Sugar Skulls. What? What the hell? A Sugar Skull? <laughs> you eating that? Uh, the Quad City Steam Wheelers, not Steam Rollers, Steam Wheelers. Uh, and then the one that is cool is the San Diego Strike Force. I'm pretty sure it's named after the military they got based there where they've got the you know how they have like the shark's head painted on the end of those fighter jets those are pretty yeah. cool. The, that, that that's pretty dope but aside from that this is uh this is going to be a venture that i think to make the matters even worse like they're playing indoor football when it starts getting nice outside like in may <laughs> i mean what's going inside do you think the xfl if covid didn't happen 
could have worked. It seemed like it was kind of working. I I think it was working better than most for the first year. The biggest problem it was going to run into, I think, was year two. Because they were going to poach guys. Like you saw the PJ, what's his name? It's, yeah, he it was, was on Teddy the Panthers. Brick. He came yeah. in and won a game for him. Yeah. Yeah. He was Brick's the best player. Back up. And then the guy from the Redskins, or excuse me, Washington football team, like Taylor Henneke. Yeah. He, he came from that. So, like, it worked for some of those guys. And I think if they could have kept finding guys, it could have worked. But I think people were like having the ESPN partnership and getting. You know, Diana Rossini and Cole Cuba, like Tom Hart. Like, I, I think it it had pretty decent roots. I just wondered about its staying power. Yeah, yeah, you don't know long-term, but I it felt like it was working. Like, I was watching it every Saturday. Not so much on Sunday, but Saturday, I would throw it on a TV. Or if I was hanging out with friends, um, we were sitting at, you know, back when we sat at bars and stuff. Have a bunch of TVs on? Yeah, throw the – can we throw the – the XFL game on, like we were paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Hell, I remember being at the combine, and this was pre-XFL. This was uh, Alliance, and they had a snow game in like Utah, and it was yeah, just magnificent to watch that on a Saturday. The Alliance didn't work; just they didn't have the money. They right, were broke. Right, right. <laughs> but like, it seemed like the XFL. They had a Fox contract. They had an ESPN contract. People were getting into it a little bit. I mean, I don't know. You never know, but. Mm-hmm. I think I, th- I think that if you're gonna have a football league, like because that's what we're kind of talking about here, you you have to do it. Then I think they personally should have instead of right after the Super Bowl when they that's when they started. I think like give people two months, mm-hmm. and then just go a little bit of time just to make right. them want football. Then go into maybe- March into March to June, kind of thing before it gets too hot, I guess. All right, but if if you could play indoors at places, you could play into July. Um. That, I think there's, I think that could succeed. Now, money, the money thing is just a big thing. Paying these guys and coming up with the money, mm-hmm. because not many people are going to go to these games. Like it's going to be more of a TV product. You have to emphasize gambling. I think. Yeah. Um, you have to find some way to um, to be on like the cutting edge of that. I, I, I would think, but I think there's definitely a path for it in um, some way or the other um, to have that kind of a league and have it be successful. It's just figuring out how to do it. Now here's my question to you: How how much attention are you playing to FCS football? Did you did you did you check any of it out over the weekend? No, not this past weekend. We had a pretty busy weekend, but I, I am going to plan to try to watch a game or two or some of a game or two this weekend. I need to look at the slate still, but yeah. I am going to try to watch. Some. Did you see what happened in New Mexico State? No, but I saw that Coach Prime won by a hundred million. Yeah, like okay. it was. That, that was in as bad as it sounds that's really the only person that's drawing me to it is because he's at hbcu you know well yeah new mexico state played a team that just moved up from d2 to fcs new mexico state's playing like five or six um fcs games because they sat out last year because new mexico's regulations wouldn't let them play games in new right. mexico mm-hmm. um but they was so a, they lost the to strictest state in the union right they lost to this um tarleton state who is the team Oh, they lost to the Billy G team, the Tarletons? They lost to them by like 50. Oh, oh man. So they are the worst team in FBS. <laughs> yeah, oh. that I mean, that was – it was like, oh, well, Kentucky's going to win that one. <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule Saturday right now. 
um, to see. See what we got. Wofford at Chattanooga. I might peek on that at noon. The Terriers. Kentucky plays Chattanooga this year. I believe that's Chattanooga's first game as well. Yeah. You know, uh, no, I mean, North Dakota State plays at Southern Illinois. I don't know if Southern Illinois is any good. Salukis are a great yeah. mascot, although I don't know if I've ever seen a Saluki dog in real life. I don't, I don't even Coach know Prime's what it would look like. Coach Prime's at 3 o'clock on ESPN3. Disappointed there's not a 10 o'clock uh, after, after dark game. window. Yeah. We so, I don't know. Murray State plays at 3 on Sunday. Let me turn that on. So, I don't know. I mean, I, there'll be times where I'll, I'll turn it on. Like, really, North Dakota State, um, maybe I would pay attention to it a little bit. Um, it's football. I'm probably going to throw a game or two on, but I won't. I don't know if I'll pay super attention. When the playoffs come, maybe. Um, yeah. Because that's when it gets a little more interesting. There's That's going to be in, like, May when there's nothing else on. Yeah, and right now, too, is – you know, Kentucky beats the snot out of Tennessee. You know, the college basketball juices are flowing. You're starting to get the the CBS games and you hear the dun 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 and Yeah, you know, I'm starting to get like excited for the conference tournament. I didn't think I would. Yeah, I didn't either. That you know, kicking the shit out of Tennessee, it'll 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 work wonders. It's the best drug in the world, which my God, to just Tennessee fans, uh, we're I, we can't go a podcast without talking about him because they're the most insufferable humans in the world. Who who died and made them college basketball powerhouse? They act like they are God's gift of basketball. They've been to one elite eight, and it was under Bruce freaking Pearl. Like, why do they act like they are such a college bat? They they're so entitled. It just I, I can understand it in football. They've won national championships. They've been good in our lifetime. They had Peyton freaking Manning as a quarterback. But to think that they are this, oh, we're going to go in and beat Kentucky. because that like Who do they think they are? I mean, I, you said you understand football. I kind of throw it back as like they won all – we talked about this already. But they won all this stuff with General Nealon, you know, before 1950. They were an eight nine one program. They had a four year run with Peyton Manning, and but that four year run has set their expectations for this last, you know, pretty much our entire lives these last two decades. They think they should be on the same level as Alabama. I, I don't understand why they why they do it. I used to like, I used to just wonder why my grandpa like did not like Tennessee and Indiana fans. Like growing up, like he disliked them more than Louisville. He, and I get it. And I, I never really understood it. I totally get it now because we didn't have but to deal with them when we were younger I don't, either. Yeah. Indiana, I don't really because we don't we don't play them at all. You don't we don't pay attention much to them. But I I, to, I totally get. To, I, I mean, I totally get it. I I understand it. <laughs> Bob, Bob Knight, I can get to in because we played him every year in football. Right. Tennessee, like, man, that that one good team they had with Pearl too, where they had all the dudes who didn't know how to wear headbands. You remember mm-hmm. that? Like Wayne Chisholm had his like a yarmulke. Tyler Smith had his like over his eyeballs. Like they, they just Adidas all, sign on like the side of his head. Stephen Pearl, who is just the ugliest human to ever walk the face of the earth. My God, that team, I hated them so much. God. Yeah, yeah I mean, and then that. And then they had Chris Lawson too. Like they took mm-hmm. one of our guys. Just, uh, 
Yeah. It's so good to beat Damon Fulky in his stupid face. God, that's what you get for cutting your hair. It's like Samson and Delilah. Like, yeah. why would he ever cut his hair? He lost his superpowers of being a doofy guy that just pissed the hell out of every team they play. I yeah, you. I was thinking about that that game he had last year, and now he's just, you know, he's just. You don't even know he's on the court watching no, the game no. on Saturday. No, you don't at all. And we're in the weird spot too. Like it were hell a month ago. We've been like, "Whew, good thing Kentucky doesn't have to play this week." And now we're like, "Ah, oh, need more Kentucky basketball." Yeah. So, in in a weird way, look at COVID year is probably going to hurt Kentucky basketball more than hurt Kentucky football, right? Yeah, I'd say yeah. I think it seems that way. Even though the Kentucky had a disappointing season, like I talk about, it's all about how you end in football. Mm-hmm. That's the one difference in basketball because basketball, three hundred sixty-four teams go home pissed off. Um, one team goes home happy. In football, you can you can build on it into the off season. And Kentucky finished a good way. Finished with a top twenty-five win. And so I think, and then what they did recruiting wise, I think helped too. Um, build on some of the momentum so yeah yeah i definitely think um well and I, I think we can also rationalize not being great in sec football when you know you've got to play at alabama you know and you you played against that florida offense it's going to have god knows how many draft picks you know I, yeah i think so, i think our fans i think maybe the expectation the expectations were a little too high going in this year um i think there was a lot more belief in the quarterback position just as a whole. Mm-hmm. And there probably should have been. Um, everybody walked in that, that last – I was one of those. <laughs> that last Saturday in September thinking they were going to go down there and beat Auburn. And I think that, you know, turns people off when they didn't. But, you know, it's not always um, – it's not always how many wins, it's who you beat. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, Nick, and you, you smoke Tennessee on the road. Right. Um, you smoke Michael each at home. You know, you play two top five teams in Alabama, Florida, back-to-back. I just think people in their minds, you know, you ended it the right way. You beat everyone you're really supposed to. Um, you know, but I think people get that, and they understand it's a weird season. And at the end of the day, what we're going to remember this past season for was um, holding Michael each without a touchdown. We'll be talking about that for 40 years and then beating – Tennessee and Neyland 34 to seven and just beating them up and down the field. Yeah. Man. Right. And if there's one thing I think we've learned for both teams, it's that we don't value beating up on bad teams enough. Like I understand that people want to play and the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic, the opening week of the year. I understand that we want to play every damn college basketball powerhouse every single year. But beating Monmouth and Utah Valley State and uh, Eastern Michigan in football, beating up those teams in November in basketball, there's so much value in building confidence for college kids. Like, it, I just – I can't it's, – it's, it's not quantifiable – but there's so much value in getting some early momentum in learning how to play together as a team, because unlike the professional sports, there's no preseason in, in any of these. I mean, you get, you get a couple exhibitions with basketball, but you, 
you don't know set rotations. Like you're finally seeing Cal tighten up to about seven, eight guys now where he kind of know we, we had no idea who this team was until halfway through January this year because they missed out on eight, nine games in November. Uh, BJ Boston, that shooting slump he had where he just didn't have any confidence at all. Why did that can get out of the way in November? There's just so much that you miss out on. I know when I talked to Q and Bohannon, you know, they don't they like playing any of those bad teams. It's hard to get up for them. But having those wins that are just bankable matter so much more because overall records, like you're eight, nine wins this year in football and in basketball, you're finishing above 500. And if you do well in your conference tournament, you're going to get in the NCAA tournament because you've got some quadrant one wins. Like, and your name is Kentucky. That, that that's there's it is such a different it, it makes a night and day difference in the world if you can just bank some wins against bad teams and i know people think like oh beat the man you gotta be the man it's like well be, do that later you can still beat the man but you gotta beat up on some slouches first yeah with basketball just because kentucky's so young they need those eight nine games that you're talking about to you know for lack of a better term figure stuff out um, figure out who you want to be, figure out how to play with these guys. Um, it's a lot of new different parts, you know, just – and then bonding too um, because you got a, a couple weeks there where it's one game a week and you're practicing a lot um, and you're just working on stuff um, to get better. And also I think the coaches had their – the coaches have a calendar too that they stick to every mm-hmm. year, and that, that changed this year too, which didn't help. Um, from football, speaking directly to Kentucky, Kentucky – controls three games every year. They play a 12-game schedule. They control three of them. It's their three non-conference games. Kentucky has had one winning season in the SEC since the 70s. 70s, So you in those three games you schedule, you have got to get wins. You have to. And I think that's that's a very important strategy for Kentucky. You have to build in wins. You build in wins, then you build confidence. You build in wins that allows you to get a better bowl game at the end of the season. Yep. And then when you have that big, doesn't matter SEC, who's it, who it's against. We're not, we're not playing to get a better seed in right. in, in the bowl. It's it, a right. win's a win. Because we we've talked about in the past, like how how fun it would be to go to like play a home and home with Virginia Tech or Iowa, West Virginia, Michigan State, whatnot. But I also think it's better to just play those teams in a better bowl game in December and January. Yeah. Yeah. Like get the 100%. wins, get the wins, get the home revenue. Let's drink more beers in the parking lot in Lexington. And I think they'll just, when you're playing the SEC, you're always going to have, you know, fun games at home. Like the reason why the, the SEC is so fun is the home schedule this year. Man, it's great. Like it's great. give me who has a better home schedule in all of college football than what Kentucky's going to have this year. It's going to be awesome. Which, by the way, uh, season tickets now on sale. And already got already got to turn down one wedding invitation. So, very excited about that. <laughs> I, I got one Vanderbilt game, though. So, it's a road game. Yeah, mine's South Carolina. Um, at South Carolina. But it's a relative. It's it's one of Brooks' relatives. Uh, they'll be fine. There, there's a couple more that are a little bit more important. The, so. the Taylor friend got married the – Tennessee it was a Tennessee game I can't remember which one it was but she was like Adam's working <laughs> he's he's got to he's got to work the game for KSR <laughs> I may or may not have been working 
Oh, that's great. But yeah, <laughs> that, those are the best when you can when you, you can weasel your out of weasel out of the. the oh, which by the way, weddings. So you can weasel. You can schedule weddings for bye weeks. You can't schedule the birth of your child. Or can you? Neil Brown is proving that you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have your children. You can be a family man and also be a college football fanatic. Because our man Neil Brown, he last week was birthday week at the Brown house. There were not one, not two, three birthdays for his kids all within four days of one another. And oh yeah, they're like one's 13, one's six and one's nine. So they're all spaced out. My man has found a way to only have kids between national signing day and spring football. And lucky, we just got to give that man a round of applause. It's a, it's a skill. I mean, Neil I has, thought I was timing it out by Neil has figured out the secret of life after the final four, but my God, to have them the same week, it's almost like every year they're like, well, we can try. And if it doesn't work, well, next year it is. <laughs> I mean, there's and more power to him, man. That's, that's incredible. That, that is kind of remarkable. I was, I'm just trying to think my family, like me and my brother are two weeks apart. Oh, Okay. But no one, I don't think anyone else is that close. I think it's pretty spread out. But yeah, it's, that's a. It's, it's impressive, man. And especially to the, because uh, there's all of the college football reporters who got in on it. They're like, man, I wish I had that accuracy. Like one guy was like, yeah, I did well with one. The other one was Labor Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so Neil Brown, expert planner, precision planner, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm trying to think what what else was there anything else exciting around the college football world over the last week or so like it? Nothing crazy. I mean Tennessee, I, Saturday down south, our friends over there came up with that little chart. Tennessee had lead the SEC with transfers twenty five. I think Mississippi State was second at fourteen. Um, Kentucky was last, I think, at five. No, yeah, only at five. No, that number is twenty four. Yeah, twenty five so. a lot. But yeah, no, it's getting. Um, we mentioned college football season not having much dead period. This is kind of the dead period. Spring mm-hmm. practice has not really started. Um, we're really kind of we're really kind of waiting on that. Signing day is complete, um, and then we don't know like are they going to have camps this summer? Um, if they're not having those, they're not covered. That's going to allow things to be pretty quiet. So yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. I'm. I'm very anxious to go ahead and get the spring practice started. So we'll, we'll have some information. I think that's why they did the, uh, this is rivals ranking week, which shout out to rivals for stretching out new rankings an entire week of content. Like that's why this is a good time to do it. That's smart by them. <laughs> they're, that's why they're the pros pro. So, um, but they, they released their 2022 rankings. They're 250 today. And, Keontae Goodwin actually was in Gavin Wimsett's old spot at number 54 overall. Gavin's down to, to 60th overall. Goodwin is – it was one of those things where – excuse me. They had 
there was a, a time where I was like, oh no, is this kid, is he going to fall by the wayside? And then he lost 126 pounds. Yeah, he looks good. In a year. Uh, he's playing now. He's not in the Kentucky rankings. He's playing in Southern Indiana, Charlestown High School. But he's one of those that I'm going to be fascinated. I mean, there's so many factors in all of this. It but smells like it, Ohio State. But through it all, like he he's just been hanging around Vince a lot. Vince has been hanging around a lot yeah. with this kid. So yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm to me that's the recruitment. Like I think Kentucky's gotta get that stretched out as far as possible. Yes. And they Let, they gotta hope that there aren't like officials or something. You know, like, well well, even if there are, just hope this kid takes his time, doesn't rush, does five maybe officials, you know, over the summer or into the season. Um, because if he goes early, he you know he's going to go to Ohio State or something. Um, but if it stretches out and they start to fill up a little bit, they might get a little selective, and then yeah, yeah. you can have them there. I think that's best case scenario. But the problem is, man, when these kids get so highly rated, and mm-hmm. like good one, he's going to be top seventy-five prospect, maybe in top fifty when it's and all said been, and done. And he's been getting this kind of stuff since he was in eighth grade, too. Right. It's just so. hard. You know, we've seen it's hard for Kentucky to hang on to these kids when Alabama and Ohio State specifically Alabama. Now, Ohio State's on that level, too. Um, if they're going to really want him, it's just going to it's just, it's going to be hard. It matters how much down. they want him. Um, but, like I said, Vince Vince is going to be hanging around the whole time. Uh, the whole time. You know, I was looking this up the, the other day. To my knowledge, at least, Vince Merrill's never had a top 100 recruit. Lynn Bone was not. He no, was like Lynn Bone was outside. He was like one sixty four. Jagger. I mean, yeah, Jack. I didn't, well, yeah, he was right outside the top one hundred. I didn't even think about that. I was more thinking, I guess, Ohio. Yeah, um, but yeah, I guess Jagger would be the first. Jagger was top one hundred, right? Depending, uh, on. he was right out. He was like one twenty, so he was right outside. I mean, we could give that to him for sure. It's also a crock of shit that like Jagger was a top one hundred until like after signing day, and then they just knock him down twenty spots. You know, the, the, the classic, let's give one more recruiting update in February to give the Blue Bloods a yeah. recruiting bonus. I'd have to go through and see. Like, I know I, in the composite, Jagger was 138. I'm pulling up my little spreadsheet right here. Like Sam and Nelly was 91st overall when he signed. But then in his final recruiting rankings, he's like 150 or something yeah. like that. You know, I it's mean, just kind of a crock. Now, Kentucky hadn't had a lot of top 100s from the composite. Justin Rogers, obviously. Um, and I think Landon Young were the only two. So it's not like it's happened a lot. I'm just saying, Vince, he's going to get one eventually, I would I would have reckoned. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, something of note, so I think Keontae, I, th- I think his, it's his local guardian, is Chris Vaughn, who runs Aspirations Gym, which most of the local kids who are big-time prospects work out there. Uh, the U.K. guys of note are Wandale, Robinson and Carrington Valentine. So, the UK's gotten some guys out of there. Uh, yeah, you know, that certainly like helps. They'll have went elsewhere. So, something to keep in mind. And also, Keontae, hell, I saw him at a camp at UK like four years ago. <laughs> Dude's been around forever. So, it's kind of weird yeah. that he's finally here. Like, this is finally his time. And now recruiting is, for all intents and purposes, shut down. So, weird time for recruiting. But Zach Gagan, he's been on the phone calling people and there was something that I found really interesting in one of his conversations. Uh, Ty Bryant is a kid to keep an eye on. 
I, I found it a pretty weird that like Cisco, his dad, who played at UK in the eighties, just never like never ever talks about his time at UK. Which, I mean, Ty even backed it up and said that, but I just it's so hard for me to believe that it would never get brought up. But from a UK standpoint, here's the, I think the most in, intriguing thing from all of this conversation so far. It's not what was said; it's what was not said. And that's when he was talking to Johnson Central assistant coach Justin Arms and Bingham himself and asking about other schools and who else was involved. For the longest time, we've heard this was a two-horse race, really, at, at the front of the pack. While other schools were kind of starting to come calling, it was Notre Dame and it was UK. Notre Dame didn't even get mentioned. Well, I can't. Did he get an offer from Notre Dame? Do we know? I thought so. I don't. I was wondering where all. I mean, that's that's maybe uh, I'm just hearing from the wrong folks because um, I haven't really, you know, I haven't dug well, in as deep. But like, here's the thing with Notre Dame, Nick. They vet Kentucky pretty hard. Like they put out a lot of early feelers on a lot of these guys. Um, and you see in the Wimset yeah, recruitment, he's got, he's got a Notre Dame. Offer. Okay. Yeah. In the Wimsat recruitment, they're a player. Yeah. Michael Mayer, um, yep. Landel Barlson. Yep. They, I mean, they they dig in pretty deep to Kentucky. Um, so a lot of these kids do hear from Notre Dame, and that's Did, that is comp. That's it's competition. We don't talk about a lot, but it's 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 a deal now that you have to deal with, and it's get, like Wimsat's a big one on it. Glasgow, is that right? That sounds a bit right. Alabama. Oh, you know, you're thinking of Bowles? Yeah. Did he yeah, he's Alabama? Yeah. Oh, well, that's one of no, no, I, I got him confused with Notre Dame. Or and then who was the kid um in J.J. Weaver's class and Wandell's class um down from Bowling Green that went there hmm. um, to Notre Dame? Jacob Lacey. There we go. That's okay. That's, yeah, like yeah. now we talk about Alabama and Ohio State just like we did, but Notre Dame is – they're a – somebody Kentucky has to deal with. And I think the Wimsat recruitment is really going to be the first one where we really kind of pay attention to it. Um, and that's, that's, that's competition that Kentucky's got to um, fight for. Devonte Robinson, they tried yeah. to get, you know, they, they're, they're in Kentucky a lot more than um, we realize. The uh, funny Devonte Robinson story. He ran a stupid 40 yard dash at one of UK's camps. Like four two nine or something, just unbelievable. And it's all people were talking about at the camp. And I don't remember if it was Drummond or if it was Roland. Somebody tweeted that out, and the folks at UK were very upset that that got out. <laughs> they didn't want anybody to find out about it. And then naturally, Notre Dame comes calling uh, shortly after that. But they were able to hang on to get Robinson, known as six year at UK. Hopefully, Kentucky's able to hang on. Uh, for Wimsat, I know we talked about that, right? About the kid who from like New Jersey that uh, Cohen put some feelers out on that Steve Angeli. Yeah, I think yeah. you wrote about it. I don't know if we brought it up. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it. But essentially, Notre Dame's kind of all in on that kid. If they get him, that yeah, opens well, the door for Wimsat. Um, I will say that the the real the real hot name on the streets right now. I wonder if he's too hot for UK's liking is Drew Alar. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking that too. Um, 
that's the guy, you know, you wouldn't be surprised Notre Dame gets in on. Um, he's blown, blown the heck up. His tape's pretty good. I watched it about a week or so ago. But I thought that was a good offer by Cohen. Uh, I thought that was a good sign. Like, he offered that kid pretty early, right when he started to blow up, got in there, was one of the first ones to get in there. Um, so that was a good sign. I don't think Kentucky's going to get that kid. Um, like we said, I think Wimsett's probably the guy, and I think they do end up getting him. But um, I think from just from Cohen's standpoint, I thought that was a pretty good offer by him. Getting that tape, getting on it, getting the offer out, getting the relationship started. Yeah, he – UK was in the first like week or so, right? I think them and Penn State were two of the first. Yeah, they were back season. to back, I think. And then it's been like a dozen ever since then. Um, and the kids got, yeah, he's like six, seven. He's big as hell. He's um, huge. And it looks like Ole Miss just offered him um, four hours ago. Yeah, he's pretty, pretty, pretty popular. Yeah, just Kentucky offered him. Our Pitt State offered him on January 30th. Kentucky comes on January 31st and gives him an offer. February 1st, Michigan. February 1st, AM. February 4th, Washington. February 12th, South Carolina. Always late to the party. February 12th, Indiana. February 21st, Georgia Tech. February 21st, Illinois. Um, wishful thinking there, Mr. Bielema. And then February 23rd, Ole Miss. So, yeah, I mean, you just see he's – He's blown up, guy, and then it gets to the point where all these guys are missing on their maybe their top QB targets because mm-hmm. um, all the blue the blue bloods are starting to get their guys, and then it can get pretty fierce for these you know the next level quarterbacks, and I think that's what you're seeing um, with Lar his recruitment blowing up here. They uh, the athletic Ohio State's athletic beat writer mm-hmm. um, talked about him as the f- fastest rising prospect in the country, so that's one of those that. Keep an eye on him. I, I do think Kentucky's in a great spot for Wimsett. I don't know. He keeps things generally pretty quiet. Um, yeah. I, I do mean, think UK's in a really good spot with him. It, it feels like they're going to get him. It yeah. just it, – it, it feels that way. I don't – like, I know Notre Dame's a big, you know, a big program or whatnot, but they're not exactly quarterback whispering over there. No, 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 not at all. It, feel, it feels like they're, they're going to get get him. Yeah, I'm, man, I'm getting fired up like it. Getting real fired up. Did you see the I, – I know Nebraska and Miami were schools that Bingham mentioned that were starting to reach out. Did you see uh, – got another guy from Lincoln coming to the Commonwealth. A young McCaffrey. Was it Dylan or Luke? I, Luke. I get, Luke. Luke McCaffrey, former Nebraska quarterback, transferring to Louisville. Is that do, do do you get worried that McCaffrey could take Kentucky down? Luke McCaffrey is skinny Nick Fitzgerald. Oh, he's that worked out well. He's very limited as a thrower, as a passer. You mean the guy who has thrown one touchdown and six interceptions in his career is limited as a passer? Yes, but he's a he's a very good athlete. Um, if you put him in the right scheme where you can, you know, heavy run scheme and with some QB run, I think he can be successful, which is kind of what Satterfield wants to do. You know, for Louisville standpoint, that's about as good a talent they're going to get. Um, when he come, you know, coming out of high school, he was a top 300 recruit. So, I mean, for Louisville, I get it. But Louisville's got a 
interesting experiment going on. Shea Wirtz, who was Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern's quarterback, he just transferred to Louisville. He's going to play receiver. And then they got this McCaffrey kid who they could easily, if they get him clear this year, he could play at receiver and do some jet sweep stuff and whatnot. So definitely some interesting uh, interesting think tank stuff going on there with Scott mm-hmm. Satterfield. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, man, what are we going to do with all this free time this week? Why can't we don't have anything to – then we can take a basketball game. No, I don't. Watch some golf, I guess, man. It's not warm enough. Can't get out there and play yet. Uh, it, that's, I mean, that's it was soon. it was warm enough today, but it was yeah, you could have played. I was thinking that on lunch. I was like, man, I should maybe take a half day, go out, get nine in. But way too soggy, though. You know, right? Like all, all that. Yeah, you gotta get that. Yeah, you gotta let it all dry out. You ever tried the simulators out? I have not. Yeah, I know you just went. How was that? It's a lot of fun because. You don't have to spend all your time chasing on your balls or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm into that. <laughs> and, and there is, you know, when it gets in your short game, it can be, uh, you know, they aren't as good in that department. But once you get the knack of how to play simulator golf, because it, it's just going to have a different feel. Like, right. I got to remember that my ball is in the rough when you're hitting off the same mat every single time. But yeah, man, that's a good was, point. I was playing well at the end of it though, um, because you can get so many holes in. I mean, we had we turned the automatic putting up, so we played in four hours twenty seven holes, and it was BYOB yeah. too. We were slamming them back. It was it was a great time. That's awesome. So, um, That's so awesome. yeah, I think it's 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 a fun. It's different, but it's a, it's a fun little afternoon. So I would, yeah, I think that would be the hard part, like you said, because every swing is different. So you gotta you have to think that. You know, especially if you're hitting off the same mat, if you're, yeah. you know, what kind of lie you have. But. Yeah. Like one, I thought it was broken, but really my ball was wedged under a rock and it took me, you know, <laughs> like 17 cuts just to get out of there. I was sweating by the time I finally got off the damn T box. It yeah. was, uh, but still, you know, hell, a bad day of golf's a great day of work, you know, better than a great day of work. So, yeah. Amen on that. Yeah. I've never tried those out, but, Definitely interested. Did you did you try out a fish fry on Friday? Like it, it was the first Friday in Lent. We did not. We're going this Friday. It was the drive throughs. Great tasting fish, but just not. You did that fish fry ranking thing last year, right? Yeah, we only got like a month's worth in. It was disappointing. Yeah, because COVID. I got to tip my cap to your Saint Rita. Saint Rita's uh, good. Is it the Mustangs? Is that what you mm-hmm. are? Very good fish. Horrible sides, though. My God. Yeah. Get somebody sides with Sides are not class. great. St. Paul's sides, I tell you, I had to wait an hour. And it was, it was kicking teeth. It was, you know, they're, they're working the kinks out. Huge crowd for that first one. But their coleslaw was top-notch. And their onion rings, not yeah. only best onion rings I've ever had at a fish fry, maybe best onion rings I've just ever had, period. I mean, mm-hmm. real thick breading. Uh, it didn't fall apart on you when you took a bite. I mean, Michael Ennings, watch out. St. Paul's coming for that ass. Yeah, I mean, St. Rita, the last four or five years, their fish has been strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're might I think we're gonna try Gabriel. I've heard very good Friday. things about Gabriel. Um, but I've also heard that Gabriel gets their fish from another place. Like, <laughs> like I didn't it's been a couple of years since he had Gabriel, but last time I, I didn't 
I didn't love it. Like, is it Hungry Pelican? Is that place still open? Hungry Pelican's right across the street. See, that was the word on the street, was that their fish yeah. is actually Hungry Pelican fish. So can we even include them in our rankings? Maybe we go both places, get a fish sandwich, and try it out. <laughs> see if it's the same or not. Blood taste test. Yeah. Right. But we, we did have to put a hiatus on our, our fish fryer tour around the city of Louisville because part of the rankings is ambiance and, like, you know, yeah. how cold is the beer? Is there pull tabs? Uh, do we got bingo going on? How about a cake wheel? Like very important things to have at a fish fry. Uh, what was really funny is we got a new guy producing our radio show, Lucky from Indiana. We were talking about fish fries. We're like, you ever been to a fish fry? It's like, oh, I've been to fish fry. Uh, but he was like, oh, they serve beer at fish fries. We're like, oh, dude, you've never been to a fish fry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, one of the benefits of Catholic upbringing. Oh man, good stuff. Good stuff. You're around the Bud Light pretty early. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love to see it. Well, hope you get to enjoy a good old fried fish sandwich, even if you aren't one of them good old Catholics from the city. Nothing like a good fried fish sandwich on a Friday night. Yeah, it it hits it hits different on Friday, on a Friday night. For and sure. even and the, the Girl Scout cookies. Have you got your Girl Scout cookies yet? See, like it. That was that's why I gave up for Lent, man. I gave up cookies. Oh man. That's <laughs> like an idiot. Um <laughs> and and they've been, been the, the new Girl Scout cookies are freaking amazing. I've been pacing whenever I see delivery man comes, hoping they're here. <laughs> well, I saw uh, Peter Burns oh. tweeted out. He uh, he's like, I did it, guys. A whole sitting in a box of tagalongs. <laughs> then, like six hours later, he's like halfway through. He's like, Oh, it's happening again. And I totally <laughs> relate to that. I will I, as soon as I get it. The, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm I'm down in the whole thing. It, it's well, not going to stand a chance. They only put like twenty cookies in there, yeah. so you know it's 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 not like you're eating a lot. Um, now, my question to you, Luckett: Top three Girl Scout cookies. Tag along one. Thin mint two. And then see, I'm not big on Samoas because I'm not a coconut guy. Dosey Dose are playing. I'd have to think. Three's hard. I have two that are the give go-to. Me your, give me your third. I did like the s'mores one they just came out with. They charge an extra dollar for it. And that just had a principle, just ticks me off. Off top off top of the dome, I would say that's three, but there may be another one out there if I could do some research. I will my top three. So I've been very anti-coconut before, but it's not very coconutty. Like all of the things that I like, the texture of coconut that I yeah. usually dislike. That's the one doesn't thing. Have that. It doesn't, Everything else about that cookie's top notch. But it, it doesn't. It it doesn't. There's not enough of it for me to dislike it. And last year, I had some moments for the first time. Immediately, number one in my power rankings. Just where have you been all my life, Samoas? I've missed you dearly. So they're number one. Then tagalongs too. Thin mints can kick rocks. Mint chocolate is disgusting. Um, see, I think frozen thin mints are just see frozen tagalongs too. Are you've got to put your tagalongs in? Tagalongs frozen are good. Have you ever so good? Reese's frozen. I just did that for the first time a little bit ago. My word! What have I been missing? (laughs) I've been missing out on this my whole life. What have I been doing? I I would put dosi dos at three though, just because the peanut butter it's nice. I used to like the yeah, truffles, the little shortbreads as a kid, but those are boring as hell. Yeah. So, man, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself go without them this spring. What an idiot! 
Good luck, man. I couldn't. You're a better man than me. <sighs> and you know what? You all are better men and women for listening to us. Kind of go all over the place in this podcast. But you know what? We weren't meant to talk football all the time, all year round. And it's fun to kind of spread our wings, let them fly a little bit. I'm hey, if we want to talk, how many beers is this from uh, from a um, a drunk video? If we want to talk fried fish, if we want to talk Girl Scout cookies, and you can you know just sprinkle in a little bit of football, I can I can go all day. <laughs> we could get into fast food rankings, best fast food items. We could get we could get very deep. Best drunk food, mm. we, could, we could get very deep in this. Yeah. Whew. Well, the good thing is, is the off season it ain't ending anytime soon. I guess no. that's technically the bad, bad thing. But uh, it's fine right now. Let's just try to enjoy it. Yeah. And then, then when we get in June, then we can complain. Yeah, we've got a different kind of CBS music to enjoy. Uh, the and then we, you know, we just transition from one CBS music to the next. That's all it is. It's no big deal. We're not going to have that CBS for very much longer, though. It's. Enjoy it while it's here, man. I certainly will. They just well, need to bring Vern out of retirement for the last year. They really do. Just turn him loose. <laughs> We're going to get Vern, Masters Vern. He'll be back six weeks yeah. away. Whole, six. He's usually whole 16. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Well, like it. It's been a joy. And uh, it's been a joy having you all listen to us. And uh, we hope you'll join us again next week for another exciting edition of 11 Personnel.